but even scientists don't fully understand where that comes from. Even scientists cannot pinpoint how depression starts, where it starts, why it starts. You know, like what exactly is going on in a person's mind that is experiencing depression. Thank you so much for joining us at Think at the Well. Today, I was thinking that it would be really, really cool for us to do a short series on the very prevalent topic that's kind of being brought to light, I feel like, more and more these days, mental health. And one of the things about mental health is how people deal with depression. And obviously, there is the you know definition kind of uh, um, some people associate depression with feeling sad or going through, you know, some sort of difficulty. Um, I remember, Sabine, you did a series for our ladies, which really, really helped me understand sort of the broader, the broader scope and then also de- deeper understanding of, 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 you know, depression. So do you think that, or can you explain maybe a little bit the difference between a, you know, sadness of, of feeling that sometimes we get or a physical mental struggle that we experience and what the differences are and kind of, um, share some of your research and the things that you shared with us and the ladies. Sure, I can do that. I mean, just to remind everybody, I have no medical degree. I'm not a doctor. I am just a normal person who has just, you know, used my brain to research that a little bit. And so this is the information that I'm going to share according to the research that I have conducted and not according to, you know, some sort of degree that I have or whatever. So that's just as a side note. Yes, of course. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> and so another thing that I really want to remind us of is that God has created us absolutely perfectly. I mean, think about it. First of all, he prepared the world absolutely perfectly with all its rules, with all the scientific facts, with everything that makes our world the world, the distance to the sun that we have, the distance to the moon, like the spot that the earth, the world has been placed into gives the absolute um, like perfect condition for us to even exist, for life to exist. So God has prepared that perfect place for us to live in. And then finally, he makes the human body Mm -hmm. and he places his signature in each one of us through DNA, which scientists just recently have discovered. I don't know if you've heard about that Mm -hmm. is, is, is described as a language you know, all these codes inside the DNA, it, it's described as a language. It's saying something as if like God has signed each human with like his signature and even fingerprints. Think about that. The fingerprints that you have, only you have. There is not a single duplicate since the world began of the exact fingerprints. As yours. Think about that. That's, That's crazy. Wild. Crazy how God created us. And so I want to remind every one of us that as David so beautifully says in Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
I think that's such a beautiful verse and such a good reminder, Sabine. I really appreciate that you started it off with this verse because oftentimes we, even I know for myself, I listen to, you know, podcasts and things, educational things. And sometimes these things, um, speak to me or relate to me. And I'm like, Oh, maybe, you know, I have this issue or maybe I'm struggling with this or wow, I've never noticed this about myself. And you just start to, uh, kind of pinpoint and, pull out just certain things about yourself that you're like, oh, I hate this. I wish it could change or, or how do I fix this or whatever. And you so beautifully underlined that, you know, God has created us so unique and so perfect and such a representation of who he is and that no matter what we are going through and who we are and all of these things, um, we can honor God in that and we can, we will, you know, be able to glorify his name in that. Absolutely. And so I just want to challenge that thought of evolutionists that everything just happened by chance. Is it really so? Why would it matter then that each of us is so different and that we have our own DNA and that we pass a piece of our DNA onto our offspring and they pass it onto their, like, why would all of that matter? Where does matter come from? to begin with, you know, just be challenged by that if you do not fully believe in creation. But in those of us who do believe in creation, this is our foundation. This is the foundation of our very being, of our existence. This is the foundation of our topic today as well, is that God has created everything absolutely beautifully and perfectly. And then something happened. So what did happen? Adam and Eve were in the garden, and all of us know they sinned. And with sin entered consequences, the ultimate consequence of which is death. But there are other consequences that we face. And this is one of the consequences that we face is that we degrade. We're being born, we grow up, we get old, and we die. Additionally to that, we have diseases and sicknesses, all that bacteria. I believe that in God's perfect world that he has created, all of that did not exist. But then when sin entered the world, all the other th things entered the world as well, that we become old, that our skin gets old, that our bones, you know, dry out and all these things. That's all the result of sin. Mm -hmm. And so to keep, just to keep that in mind, if any of us get sick or struggle with with like depression or seasons of depression or whatever that might be this is not shameful not at all mm -hmm. you know i i feel like in our days oftentimes when people get sick you know there there is that premise out there that no but no, you sh you should, you should press on for healing. You should do this. You should do that. Here are 10 steps that you need to do and stuff like that. Yes, to a certain extent, we can talk about that in a, in a different context, maybe. But as for today, if you are struggling or have been struggling or keep that in mind, even for your future, if something is going on, do not be ashamed. That's not shameful. Yeah, I think, thank you again. You're just full of beautiful points today, but it is so easily um yeah it's so easy for us to uh be ashamed of that and hide away and feel alone in it and feel like well i everybody else has it together and i don't and so mm. i or 
you know, come from the perspective of like, I can't even describe what I'm going through. Yeah. So I can't even share it with anyone. Um, or I don't even know what I'm going through. So I just feel this way. And that's what it is. And so I'm just going to work through it myself, which is a lie. Because if you, the only thing that happens from us keeping it within us is that we allow the devil to continue to plant those, you know, thoughts and that root deeper and it starts to spiral and then you really have handed the control over to the enemy because you no longer are allowing for for god to speak into your life and bring you know um a a different perspective and give you hope and keep you um just moving towards getting out of that rather than you know the enemy will always continue to just um, feed that lie that you've already or that feeling that you are already experiencing. And sometimes I think that, you know, this is one of the next things that I would love for you to share on is that sometimes, you know, there is the mental struggle of or a situational struggle where somebody is experiencing, you know, a death in the family or a very sudden situation that um, very sudden life situation, for example, uh, birth of a child or the loss of a job or relocating somewhere new or something that is very uh, like a big change. And that's a shock to your body, to your mental state, to your to the organization and the order of our life. And so, you know, things kind of um, we, we have to readjust and we have to learn to deal with it. And sometimes the result of that is feeling insecure in yourself, feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxiety, feeling all sorts of, uh, things that we feel that are out of, you know, our control that we don't know how to, how to grasp. And then we start to get used to, to the situation. We start to adjust. We start to see, you know, hope in the future and kind of life moves forward. But there's the other side of things where something happens chemically in our body in our mind within us where we are deficient in a certain you know chemical component and we we don't know how to get back up because that chemical is missing within us so can you kind of share the information that you've studied and again we're not you know, neuroscientists or anything by any standard, but we've done some digging. Sabine has done some digging and just based on what we know to date about this, um, Sabine, can you share some of your thoughts on that? Sure. So you're way ahead of the conversation, (laughs) way ahead of the points, but yeah. So back to your question, scientists, actually, we reiterate that we're not scientists, we're not, you know, doctors or anything like that. But even scientists don't fully understand where that comes from. Even scientists cannot pinpoint how depression starts, where it starts, why it starts, you know, like what exactly is going on in a person's mind that is experiencing depression. And oftentimes we, when we talked about that with our women, I brought up six different kinds of depression that we touched upon. And actually we, we didn't just touch up on them. We actually dove pretty deep into those six different types of depression, which we will not be discussing here. One of which is, for instance, bipolar or, um, when you have, post, yeah, yeah, exactly all these things. So we won't be touching on them today. It's just too much to cover. (laughs) And also there's way too much. I feel like not controversial, but, um, 
you know, there's just so such a flood of information. And like you said, because scientists don't fully understand it too, it, there, there is sort of, um, information coming from different studies and different things, which we just can't cover in a 20 to 25 minute episode. Absolutely. And so if even scientists don't fully understand, we will not pretend that we do. And but I I just while I was researching this topic, something really stood out to me. And this is first of all, because I've never heard about that before. But second of all, it kind of gave me an understanding what it might mean. And again, these are facts that I have researched. And there are things in our bodies that are called neurotransmitters. And they are basically chemical messengers that communicate information throughout the brain and body. So basically, it starts in your brain. They take information out of, out of your brain. They communicate that information through the central nervous system that goes basically around your spine or in your spine. And then it, it transfers that information or these messages from the brain through the central nervous system to your organs. And this is pretty fascinating stuff, how God created that, hey? It's like your brain is, is the central message-giving, life-giving, information-giving thing, and then you have those messengers that travel through your body and just distribute that information. That's mind-blowing to me. Again, I'm just so fascinated with it. Um, and I think that I'm ready to hear more of this information. <laughs> so basically, there are three uh, neurotransmitters, which, according to science scientists, are a little bit out of order. This is what they have discovered in people that suffer depression. These three neurotransmitters are not functioning properly. And Vicky, you have to help me with one of them because I clearly do not know how to pronounce it. I know how to spell it, but I do not know how to pronounce it. Uh, hashtag immigrant. And so <laughs> one of them is serotonin. The other one is dopamine. And the third one is an absolutely tongue breaker. And Vicky's going to pronounce that for us. Norepinephrine, Sabine. It's norepinephrine. Amen. <laughs> And so these three are basically are, um, they're a little bit out of order is what scientists have discovered. And so just as a side note, or just for us to better understand, and I, if you have never heard about that, that doesn't mean that you're dumb. I had never heard about that either. And I feel like sometimes we really have to dig into something and to, to discover or even to get to scratch the surface of what it actually means or what it is all about. So, well, I think that it's actually, you know, very important for us to continue to educate ourselves, continue to see different perspectives, put things into different, uh, into a different light so that we can gain a deeper understanding of, you know, what's happening around us, maybe to other people, to ourselves. Um, you know, I've always lived by the, saying that knowledge is power and I feel like the more that you know and can educate yourself the more that you can just be aware and be of help to others yeah exactly and so just to quickly talk about that is that serotonin for instance is responsible for well-being and happiness it helps intestinal muscles 
Um, it signals pain and nausea. If you eat bad food, for instance, it tries to get rid of it faster by throwing up or getting it out otherwise through diarrhea, for instance. And when you cut yourself, it stops bleeding. Dude, that's a pretty important neurotransmitter right there, hey? Yeah. Almost like a life-saving <laughs> neurotransmitter, right? Almost, yes. <laughs> and so when you are low on serotonin, that can cause anxiety, and anxiety can lead to depression. Mm -hmm. From a scientific perspective, this is all from scientific perspectives. And stay tuned because in further episodes, we will be talking about spiritual aspects of this as well. And then we will get back to the points that Vicky has mentioned earlier, a couple minutes earlier. So dopamine, for instance, and I think this is the most known, hey, dopamine is is probably the most known neurotransmitter. I had not known that it was a neurotransmitter, but I've heard of dopamine before. And that's basically the feel-good hormone. It's the reward hormone when you do something really good. Um, for instance, you set a goal of hiking 10 kilometers in, I don't know, a couple of hours, and you get it done, and you're on top of that mountain, and you look back, dopamine is being produced in your body. You feel really good about what you have accomplished. But dopamine is also being produced um, when you eat good food, especially sweet food, or when you kiss, or when you're being intimate with your partner. And dope th this neurotransmitter seeks out those pleasures. It seeks it out. Your body actually needs it. And cocaine, for instance which is a drug, all of us most likely know, but cocaine triggers a massive amount of dopamine. And this is why people have such a high and feel like they're on top of the world. This is what dopamine does. And cocaine just triggers a load of that, which by the way, is very unhealthy. And when your body has that load and it craves for dopamine, you become addicted to cocaine or other drugs because it seeks out that easy way of that massive amount of dopamine. Usually it takes hard work to produce dopamine. Like I mentioned earlier in that hike example, or when you study for a test and you pass it, that's when dopamine is produced. But if you give your body and your brain that easy way and introduce it to your body, it will seek for that easy way because it remembers how amazing you felt. And so when you are low on dopamine, that means that you have really no enjoyment of things that you have enjoyed in the past, which can lead to anger issues, because you have absolutely no pleasure with anything that you possibly achieve. For instance, another example is porn. You know, when you watch it, and you create those paths in your brain. And this is something that you have studied on too, Vicky. And I would love to hear a little bit about, a little bit more about that as well. But when you watch porn, for instance, you have those images in your mind. Your mind, therefore, has easy access to it. It's not something that you have to make up. It's something that you have seen and something that is always available in your mind. This is why we have to be so careful what our eyes see and what, what our ears hear, right? Um, since since images or or words or whatever go through your eyes and through your through your ears and remember Vicky we talked about that at our ladies retreat last year yeah. 
when when we talked about like how to fight spiritually and how to protect our minds and stuff like that. So and the third one uh, increases blood pressure and transmits adrenaline. And so when you are low on what is it exactly (laughs) then you experience fatigue tiredness and slowness but let us just quickly dwell on dopamine just for a second because i think it's very important for us to understand how the brain and again not in detail but just on the surface how does it work vicky do you mind sharing a little bit about what you have researched back then when we discussed this topic with our ladies how our brain creates certain paths yeah, it's super interesting um, because our brain has the capacity or the ability to, you know, build these pathways, these channels, these hallways towards our responses. And the way that we can train our mind to know how to react to certain things is by um, th- these dopamine shots, I guess, when we set goals and we um, are diligent about something or when we are, um, uh, you know, do repetition and do create kind of order and, yeah, again, repetition. Um, and I thought that that was one of the interesting things with the brain. And I love studying the brain. So you'll probably always hear me in, in different episodes, just like continue to throw these little nuggets of brain facts. I love it. Yes. Um, but one of the interesting things is like, say, for example, how our um, brain associates, and I don't know how much of it is, is dopamine or not, but um, our brain associates, for example, uh, waking up sometimes with a cup of coffee, you know, you're tired up until the point that you have this co- coffee, and then our our mental you know, light goes off and we're like, okay, we're ready to start the day. Well, you know, we know that actually uh, there are so many other healthier things in our life that we can do uh, that, you know, would be more beneficial or just as beneficial as, as a cup of coffee. Um, for example, one of the, yeah, one of the examples that I know of is a cold shower. And the benefits of a cold shower far outweigh a cup of coffee. Like the, the benefits of a cold shower in the morning is not only so healthy for your, your skin and your body and the, um, regeneration of our skin cells and the tightening of our muscles and all of these things, but also mentally what happens, and this leads back to the whole pathway thing is mentally what happens is how you train your brain to learn how to calm down in a high stress situation. And so, boom, you put yourself into a cold shower and right away, your everything inside of you wants to go into like a flight mode of like, I need to get myself out of this situation. But because obviously you're in a safe space and you've created the situation yourself and you you are training yourself to do this, you set a timer for 10 seconds, set a timer for 20 seconds, whatever it is that you think you can handle and just stay there. And what happens is your brain starts to carve out a little pathway that um, basically reminds or teaches your brain to calm down when you're... Um, heart rate is up when your you know blood is flowing when your brain is going alert alert things are happening and you're learning to 
calm down. You're learning, you're teaching yourself how to, how to slow down and process things. And in the moment, you're just like, I hate this. I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. But the mental benefit of that is in a situation where you're either uncomfortable or something surprising has come up that you've like never dealt with before, or, um, somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, but you can expand on and, and kind of develop a thought a thought to, you're teaching your brain how to slow down. Even though you need to make a quick decision, your brain is actually slowing down and you're able to, um, you know, relay or communicate or respond effectively in that manner. That's pretty cool. I mean, we, we have to close for this episode, but please stay tuned for the next ones. I'm, I'm thinking about a challenge for the weekend. I feel like everybody for the next week should take a cold shower before they're leaving the house. But this is kind of not the point. I will leave you with another challenge for the week, guys, before we post the next episode on the topic of depression is can you please take a moment or two? And sit down and really think about what is it in your everyday life that you have tried to come up with quick solutions that are just easy for you that would produce that, that, that dopamine in your body. As Vicky mentioned, might be a cup of coffee. It might be, um, I don't know, loads of sweets throughout the day, you know, a, a little pickup chocolate in the morning, a little pickup chocolate in the afternoon, a little pickup chocolate in the middle of the night. What is it that you do to kind of wind down or, or just what is it that makes you feel happy? Really think about that and tune in for the next episode because this is exactly where we'll be picking up. Honestly, I'd rather just uh, stick to your first um, challenge <laughs> and make everybody take cold showers. So go do that when you get home. <laughs> Maybe we should. Stay tuned for the next episode. We will talk to you later.